Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. And you may be hearing some new voices. I don't think we sound like the hosts of last week. At least I hope not. That would be real weird (laughs) if we did. be really weird let us know but we are megan and tierney of mash minute i like how you said megan first and your name is tierney just fyi i'm alphabetical we We met at library school what do you want me to say this is true (laughs) this is true we met at library school yes we are of mash minute we are of library the gisless that isn't called gisless anymore at simmons college it's sills is that how you say it? I don't know. It? I hate they it. Dropped, they dropped the G, basically. It's Sills. That's how I say it. Sills. Like, it's skills or something. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you now know which one of us is still involved in our alma mater because I just didn't bother to learn the new acronym. <laughs> to be fair, I also went to undergrad there, so I have a bit more vested interest, I guess. Well, we met at library school and we bonded over a love of MASH, which, because we are both children of the 80s, was slightly unusual in our peer group, I think is the nice way of putting that. That would be the the nice way of putting it, yes. Totally normal to have had a crush on both Alan Alda and Joshua Jackson growing up, right? Right? Right. Right. Or Jonathan Taylor Thomas was my preferred one. But yeah, yeah. Oh, JTT. I could never, I don't know what it was. I was a fan of Home Improvement. I was a fan of a lot of his movies. Oh, yeah. Just wasn't. Or who is the who is the kid in Casper? <gasps> who, who is Casper? Yes, Devin, Devin is it Sawa? And that Sawa. yes, yes. But then yes. he grew up and he went to a place I could not go. And it's come around again. He's now a really cool guy on Twitter. He is a very cool guy on Twitter. And he's awesome and he's funny. But like there was a stage there where he and I were into different things. So good to know. I my preteen crushes were all like Devin Sawa, Brad Renfro, Lucas Haas, Eddie Furlong. And it, you might be noticing a trend in um Boys of Hollywood who also had a lot of drug busts. <laughs> No, because the only name I recognized was Devin's. The rest of them, like, who's Uh, that? (laughs) Basically, if there was a boy with shaggy brown hair (laughs) who was in Hollywood in the early 90s, but also, like, going to the Viper Room at age 14, I probably had a crush on him. That's (laughs) you. Charity is interested. And I I think I was just starting, right as Devin Sawa was crossing into like, I'm going to have a bunch of tattoos and be in grown-up movies now. I was starting to realize like, River Phoenix is dead and I think heroin might be bad, guys. Like, I don't know that Uh, I'm into this. As I started to grow up, it was like, oh, I'm not going to get into drugs so i'll be over here with the drama geeks so oh yes yeah we are so off topic hey hanging out with pianos and music and i'm trying to bring it back i'm trying to bring it back you are (laughs) you're trying to bring it back so i can't cut this i love it and i appreciate it (laughs) there was a piano in the lounge next to where where you were living in the dorm where (laughs) we met there was. I don't think anyone used it, though. If somebody did... Yeah, it was a grand piano. Oh, no. I, I I remember people playing that. Do you? Well, you would know more because you lived right next yes. to it. It's literally on the other side of the wall from my bed. Were they as good as, as this piano player? No. No, they were not. No. <laughs> okay. Folks, Fair enough. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
This is a pretty good uh, taste of the madness. Although, in our defense, we covered a 1970 Robert Altman film. So the fact that we're a little scattered, we are fine. (laughs) It's on brand for Robert Altman, is it not? (laughs) It is 100% on brand. And I am now researching Close Encounters of the Third Kind to do a podcast on that. And they keep talking about how Steven Spielberg drove the sound guys nuts because he wanted everyone talking at the same time for the verisimilitude or whatever, however you say that word. And uh, yeah. Apparently, I'm all about it. But this is a 1946 film. Very different. Although, you know, feel in these uniforms. Feel right at home. This is minute 41 of the best years of our lives. And it is the minute in which Al asks Butch to play Among My Souvenirs and asks Millie to dance. And both questions are answered with a yes. Megan, I have a huge confession to make. Which is what? About this minute and about this song. And I actually went back and forth several times over the past week on whether or not I was going to admit this. So uh, you and Jim know this because I CC'd you on the email. I was going to say, I was going to say, I I feel like there's an email about this music. It gets even even better, actually, from where I left you off on the emails. Oh, okay. So I watched this movie all the way through. Then I... I went back and I watched our minutes and, you know. Like a good minute by minute podcast. As you do. As you do. And I'm like matching up guests. Folks, we're going to have guests in the future. I'm matching up guests with what minutes they're about and I'm putting stuff together. So I had seen this minute, the minute 41, several times, but it usually was either watching it on my TV all the way through or on my computer where I started the minute to like make sure it had downloaded, make sure I was sending the right link, blah, 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 blah. And I was going nuts because I could not tell which song this was. The IMDb soundtrack listing has all the songs played by Hoagie Carmichael, but not in like, it doesn't say what scene they go with. Okay. And I was looking for, you'd think this is 1946 best years of our lives, best Oscar picked. I don't even have the words. You would think you could find any information on this movie that you wanted to find. And so I was going nuts. Like, how can I not find out what song it is that Al hasn't played for Millie? Like, this is crazy. This should be something Googleable. It's not. So then I said- Shazam failed you. I, then I pulled out my handy Shazam, and that's what led to an email that starts with Shazam is Shazit. Actually, I don't know if I can say that. I might have to peep that. Because apparently Shazam cannot identify Hoagie Carmichael playing the piano in the best years of our lives. All right. Well, fine then. Cool. Now I'm Googling the different songs played by Hoagie Carmichael because I'm looking at the listing and I know some of these songs. And there's only three songs in a list of eight that it could possibly be. So it's not like it was hard to narrow it down. And I'm listening to the songs and I'm looking up different versions on YouTube and I'm listening to Connie Francis and Vera Lynn and and some are Hoagie Carmichael, but they're much jazzier. Like I could not find a song that was slowed down enough. And so I said, it's got to be Among My Souvenirs or Lazy River. It's got to be. And originally (laughs) I said, oh, it's Among My Souvenirs. And then when I went to research and confirm that, I completely second guessed myself. So I sent Jim this whole email Hey, what song plays? I just want to make sure I've got it right. And I wrote this email three different ways. And the one that I ended up sending was the only one in which I said, I've convinced myself it's Lazy River, but I want to make sure I'm right. Jim very kindly says, it's among my souvenirs. Here's a link to a YouTube clip. 
All right, fine. I answer, I'm back. <laughs> We're all good to go. We are ready to record. I have my time. I send Megan the link. I pull up the minute. And for the first time, I listen to the minute wearing my headphones. My headphones plugged into a computer that a toddler has access to, a toddler who likes to press buttons. And at oh, no. 97% volume, I hear goddamn Al Stevenson say, Do you know among my souvenirs? <laughs> <laughs> email jib had already replied (laughs) so i was just like i didn't even think of that i just thought okay well there's a lot of great music in this film there's several times where he plays piano and at that point i to be fair too to myself and to you and Mm. everyone i guess i hadn't watched the film yet Mm. like i've had years and years ago but i hadn't in recent memory and i remember i put it on Facebook or something about that, about like, I got it from the library. I found it at the Me library because Jimmy even sent his email. He's like, go find it at the library. I mean, you can find it online. We got like, this. Go to your library. <laughs> Which I'm like, I love you, Jim, as a librarian. And um, he's like, get your, your tissues. And I was like, oh, right. I'm going to need tissues for this film. <laughs> Hold on. I just couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that. And I must... I kind of wonder if I had heard that one watching the whole movie through and like subconsciously had heard it because my first thought was, oh, it's among my souvenirs. I can hear where those lyrics fit into this tune. Yes. But then when I couldn't confirm it, I just just completely overthought it. So anyway. Anyway. This is a terrible introduction to the two of us as podcasters. I'm so sorry, Megan. I've once again dragged us into a movie and it's... It's okay. I I have Bing Crosby singing in the background from uh, Jim's email, so... <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, he was a great singer. Kind of a crappy human, but a great singer, so... <laughs> oh, Christmas is not complete now that my grandmother has passed away because she loved the Bing Crosby White Christmas CD is oh. just a treasure in my family, and we're Irish. It really is. And Christmas in Killarney is life-changing, but it just doesn't sound right without my grandmother screaming, that bastard, at some point during the song. She never got over that. What a son. Yeah. He was kind of a crappy human. But dang, could he sing. Dang. Him and Andy Williams, like, they make Christmas for me. Oh, and Nat King Cole. You have to have some Nat King Cole in there, too, right? I mean, I I think I was alive in this time period in a past life or something. (laughs) I just enjoy certain aspects of the 40s and 50s and 60s a lot. Not all of it. Yeah, we want to make clear, we are not, uh... There's a a vintage shop, I want to say it's in Kansas, but somewhere in the Midwest that I follow on Instagram. And they made a sticker that says, vintage vibes, not vintage values. (gasps) That's perfect. And I'm like, that's perfect. It's on my car, because it's true. (laughs) And it's like girls, like, you know, of all colors, all with the same 50s hairdo, and it's wonderful, and I love it. And if you ever see a car with a weird bumper sticker, like that in New Hampshire, it's probably mine. Okay, so, uh, oping. Oh, so back to William Wyler movies. Yes. Specifically this one. <laughs> what a concept. So you had probably seen this growing up, you think? You know, I was trying to remember the first time I saw it, and I think it was in college. Okay. And I think it was with a class I took with Laura Pareto, but I cannot remember which one one because i took a lot with her but i do remember it pretty vividly just because like it was so different from any other sort of like post-world war ii movie i had seen at that point Mm. and and seeing how at the time it could have maybe ruffled some feathers and also being really surprised that it won the academy award and that no one seems to remember it unless you're kind of a, a film buff or a history buff 
I was going to say, because I had a very different experience. That uh, that grandmother swearing about Bing Crosby in the corner every <laughs> Christmas Eve was a absolute fanatic. Uh, she She's passed on. I can say this now. What's the FBI going to do? She taped everything off the television. Everything. Well, of course, the right? The minute recordable VHS tapes came out, oh, that woman broke so many laws. So uh, she, she didn't distribute them. She, just tape I was going to say, was it mostly for home use? Oh, oh, yes. But at one point, there had to be an indexing <laughs> system. Folks, she was also a librarian uh, because there were so many. And she would always do the super long play. And like Princess Diana's wedding was on a tape with something else. And if you were looking for my so-called life, you had to check the more recent. It, yeah, this movie definitely crossed my retinas when I was a kid. As soon as somewhere aired it and she taped it, we would have had a copy of it. Nice. Literally no impression on me other than the one with the guy with hooks for hands, because that will stick with you as a kid. Oh, that really will. Yes. I did not pick up on any of the social commentary, psychological commentary. I, I got none of it. I got dancing and hooks, and that was all I remembered of it. And uh, then my sister came along, and I remember she was really, she wasn't academically talented, and she was very intense. And she went through a phase where she really liked this movie. Like, we had this hmm. movie on DVD in the house, and it was for the middle school schooler and just something about it really she just liked it like she's not a history i'm the history person she has no connection to the 40s other than growing up with someone who was a kid in the 40s and never shut up about it again you know (laughs) it it was not forgotten amongst her her and her friends (laughs) but i hadn't like sat down and watched it and had to be decades so it was kind of nice because it was like i know the general story but it was still a pleasant surprise because especially these scenes like i knew there was the guy playing the piano in the bar but i had completely Mm. forgotten the whole like how they all end up in this bar together yes this is a minute that really turns things around for Al, who uh, was kind of <laughs> blowing this evening up until now. It was, y- yes. Yeah, that's probably a nice The way to look on her face, that close-up of Myrna Loy when she realizes what song is playing. And I, I started doing some math. This song was written in 1927. And I was like doing the math on the daughter and son's age and when they would have met. And it's just like, ah. Uh, you know this was, like, their song. It must have been, because she kind of seems like, oh, it's uh, kind of bittersweet, I guess is... The actual song itself is very sad. It's about a broken heart. But you can see in the two of them, like, no, 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 no. This is a good memory. Yeah, it's like, yeah. This was, like, the first time they really danced together or something like that. Some mm. some sort of memory between the two of them. I love or like their that first even with, date or something, yeah. Yeah, even with this, like, lovely moment and it's, like... The a smile on her face and what a good idea like he's back in the game baby but he's still very <laughs> drunk i was like shh, 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 to, to push it, it made me really happy for the record and what i ran into is that the most famous version of this song is from 1959 by connie francis and sounds nothing like what hokey carmichael is playing the 1927 song, words by Edgar Leslie, music by Horatio Nichols. But it was 
it was just kind of like a standard around that time. Like it would have been played. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Connie Francis recorded the song in 1959 and it was a number seven on the Hot 100. So that's why when you try and Google it, that's what comes up. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a mention in its Wikipedia entry, Hoagie Carmichael plays it on the piano in the 1946 film, The Best Years of Our Lives, which again, does not help someone trying to figure out where in the movie Hoagie Carmichael plays. <laughs> not that i'm bitter <laughs> it's okay i was falling apart here and then um we we could talk some about hoagie carmichael who is one of the absolute delight surprises of me researching this this movie so yeah he sounded kind of like int- i mean all, i mean all the guys who, who play the main soldiers are kind of interesting were interesting to me did you develop a massive crush on frederick march by the end of this movie <laughs> because he is kind of adorable i mean they all are adorable in their own they all are adorable ways. this is a definite all right this is gonna sound weird but in high school we decided the best movie was bring it on because no matter what type of person you crushed on there was represent like if you were into blondes if you were into brunettes if you were into boys like there was someone for you to crush on in that movie and i kind of wonder if the best years of our lives was the bring it on for this generation like what do you like there's someone in here you are gonna think is hot (laughs) like think about it (laughs) it's kind of true fair enough and now dear listeners if you would like to figure out who corresponds to who between the best years of our lives and bring it on i will see you in the facebook group (laughs) (laughs) but i i was looking at pictures of frederick march and damn he's a cutie especially back in the day yeah and then it was funny i was watching it like this movie and i was like i feel like i know him from somewhere but maybe i don't what you might be thinking of do well what i what it turns out it was was death of a salesman oh which i know sounds like that's probably not where most people would recognize him from but i just prefer in high school we did like a whole big unit on it and you know we read the play we you know i think it's a play or a book whatever the, the written form of it and then we saw the movie I did not remember him from that, although I probably watched that same movie in that same high school class. <laughs> probably, right? There is a scene in this movie where he is going to look in a mirror. Get ready for it. It's coming up. It's not in ours. Uh, he looks exactly like Jake Johnson, Nick from New Girl. And okay, he's been I, in other I stuff, I never too. saw New Girl. If you look up, I'm telling you, if they ever remake this, Jim just had a heart Wait, attack Jake? somewhere. I'm so sorry. But if they ever did, he can play Al Stevenson. No problem. Oh, okay. I could kind of see that. When he's looking in the mirror the next Yeah. Time, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, okay. it's exact. I can see that. <laughs> okay. I can see that. Yeah, I just never got into New Girl for whatever reason. It's enjoyable. I'm going to try and distract us as little as possible, I swear. But I'm not very good at that, apparently. We're 20 minutes into this, and uh, I'm it's a mess. <laughs> Bet you didn't think Kirsten Dunst and the Viper Room were going to come up <laughs> while talking about uh, no. this movie. No, but so that's sorry. the fun of minute five minutes. I'm so sorry, world. <laughs> uh, the other note that I had specifically for this minute is how much I am in love with the jukebox and butches. Oh, yes. And don't get and, me like, wrong, like real I love the piano music. Too. But that jukebox. It's like a real jukebox. It's real good. Like, the the ones today are just... I mean, it's nice that you can just type in something, no. you know, but, but it's also horrible because, I mean, you could type in something and, like, everything's there. 
And as we might know, drunk people and jukeboxes don't always make good decisions, right? <laughs> like, are you hear the same song 60 million times? This is like a curated, or I'd like to think it's a curated collection, probably a mix of classics and the new hits, right? You have to put in your quarter. I just love butches. Can I hang out in here? I also like that little awning over the bar. Mm-hmm. Very modern I was also trying to figure sort of out thing. who those pitchers are when they're sitting at the table. I don't know. Like, I can't get a good enough zoom in. And even when I paused it on my TV, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell. One thing that throws me off about butches is that it looks like it was originally an old-fashioned New England restaurant that is now Butch's Place. That is now a bar. Because look at look at how old that booth is. Look at the pictures. Look at the yep. fact that it has the shelf with all the pewter up on top. Good God, we're both from yeah. New England. That is that is little in, in a New England town. Oh. No problem. <laughs> it sort of gave me this like 1890s vibe. In a weird way, like, because of the windows. For some reason, I thought it was an ice cream shop. And then the ice cream shop didn't quite work out. So Butchers was, like, bar all the way. <laughs> like I, I had it going from little, like, tavern restaurant sort of style. Mm, that's like, true. someone claims George Washington ate there once sort of th- vibe. And, <laughs> yep. uh, and, then, and then he took it over and put... And that's why the bar feels so, like, it doesn't fit in with the rest of it. It sort of reminds me... Of all, with all the wood of like the Union Oyster House yes, and those booths yes. and how they're like they're close together. Thank you. Did you ever get to sit at the booth that Jackie and uh, JFK sat at? <sighs> no, but I have had a fish chowder in the Union Oyster House very near that booth. So I feel like I was still channeling the correct spirit. I think I can't remember if Mike and I actually sat in the booth or we were across from that booth. Mm. Folks, if you are not from the Boston area, the Union <laughs> Oyster like, House what are you is... About? A, fabulous, B, delicious, and C, JFK ate there so much that there is a booth dedicated to him with a little thing on yes. it. Yes. Isn't it like the oldest continuous running yeah, in America. restaurant in America? I mean, I'm sure there's some other restaurants that claim that, but, but it's up there. Continuous. For sure. Continuous. Yeah, continuous. Thing. I think so. And it's right around the corner from the Green Dragon Tavern, which is Which I my also home. adore. I love it. I have I actually sat at the bar in that in the Green uh Dragon Tavern next to someone dressed up uh, next to someone in a red coat. Like Tri-corner yes. hat, the whole nine yards, having a beer at the bar. Yeah. It's a good time. Because it's on the Freedom Trail. So, <laughs> you know, it's appropriate, right? <laughs> God, they had good chatter, too. God, I miss Boston. This is one thing that's really throwing me off about Best Years of Our Lives is that because of this room and how much action takes place in this room and the fact that so many of their houses remind me of, like, when he goes, he's already been to, yes, he's already been to his parents' house. I just looked at them and I'm like, oh, it's Dorchester. (laughs) Like, you get off the red line. I had a friend who lived in Dorchester and I just knew it. She lived in a very nice house, but like, that... Yeah, I knew exactly where that was in Boston. And like, you see the houses and then I couldn't convince myself that this is Iowa or wherever the Corn Belt is, you know, like there there just was this weird, mm. like I kept trying to imprint. And I think also because my grandmother was the first one to show me this. And ladies and gents, I thought Catherine Hepburn was trying to talk like my grandmother. And it took me until well into my 20s to realize, oh, strike that, reverse it. I couldn't stop trying to make this a New England movie. <laughs> 
I wonder too how much of it was like this. These sets were kind of a bit, you know, there was the and everyone has that accent and like (laughs) right. I I wonder too how much of it's like the shell of these kind of sets were already because this is still like during the time of the studio system, right? So they maybe took like generic bar, right, and just sort of made the butchers went added enough, (laughs) right? Like added enough to make it look a little different than like the previous production that (laughs) used the set, and it's just kind of general America. Kana-ish, I'm gonna go with. Which, to be fair, I think is what they were going for. General Americana-ish is kind of the vibe that they (laughs) sold this movie on. Right. It could be almost anywhere in America. Wink, wink. Um. Well, that was my one, like, thing as I was watching this that kind of, like, stuck with me, where I was like, I had to kind of keep stopping myself from writing my own, this is gonna sound bad, like, I don't have this experience, obviously, but, but like, writing my own experience onto the relationships. Um, oh. Spoiler alert, I spent the last at least 20 minutes of this film and I feel like it was close to a half hour just being like, the men in this are the stupidest men I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> The women, all the women. You want to see me ride or die for Marie? All the women in this movie are amazing and understandable and flawed, but understandable. And the men make decisions in the back bit of this movie that made me just want to shake all of them in frustration. These women are saints. Yes. I think this, uh, yeah, this first night back is really selling the, uh, dynamics of play. Yeah. But, like, I have it paused right now on second 28 in the minute, and and she's just so happy that he's the- I mean, they both seem happy because of the song and, yeah. you know. It's just sort of like, that's what I need to hold on to in the later part they of the movie. They dance cheek to cheek. <laughs> She's so oh happy gosh. he asked her to dance, and they do the little, like, almost nuzzle, and then they settle into dancing, and she's just so happy to have him home. It is such I know, a lovely says, moment. I, I, do you remember this tune? And she just kind of nuzzles into him. Yeah. And-, and he's been dragging her butt all over town all night, and finally... <laughs> finally, she gets a moment of reprieve. <laughs> And it wouldn't be via a Megan and Tierney section if we didn't have a fashion moment. Oh, fashion commentary. Can I have that hat? I was going to say, is it about I, the hat? Yeah. I feel like we've got away from hats when Jackie O became first lady. Cause not that she didn't wear hats. She obviously did, but she didn't, I don't know. I feel like there's something about that point in the sixties where we sort of went, you know, I don't have to wear a hat every time I go out. Men stopped wearing hats. And that was definitely yeah. on JFK. And women were yeah. kind of like, why are we still doing this? And we kept doing it for a little bit longer because of church. Um, and oh, then Vatican II happened and you didn't have to wear head covering and church and it was like whoo everything goes i can go but sometimes i just and i don't look great in hats i will totally admit that but i i like a good hat sometimes they can pull an outfit together she looks lovely she really does look lovely i still wonder how they kept all these hats on as i say this but (laughs) very painful hairpins (laughs) or must be because like I mean, they've been out for several hours now, like, and it looks like this thing is, like, cemented on her head, which... That's yes, the magic probably of being be Myrna Loy, though. <laughs> you have a hairdresser? What? <laughs> I just can't believe... It's so funny. I almost... I'm like, Megan, we should go back and, like, start over. We are so all over the place, <laughs> no, and so I can't believe it. We always start with the first minute. I know there are other podcasters out there who do this really tricky, kind of smart thing of they record later minutes first 
to kind of like get their rhythm going and then they go back and record the first couple weeks and i've never done that and i probably should but whatever it's a minute 41 and here we are (laughs) (laughs) we haven't done this in a long time either we haven't and uh listen we are out of practice i'm trying to think when this will air it starts in january correct yeah and we're not very far into this movie Although we're in the so, 40s. Strap in, folks. We're in the 40s. So is, it, is this going out five times a week or three times? I, I don't know. Uh, the important thing is that if you want to go listen to MASH Minute, please keep an open mind in those early episodes because I We did, get much better. I did not learn how to edit until we don't started releasing episodes and i'm so so sorry and i am going to remaster them i have all the original recordings i'm looking at an external hard drive they're all in there (laughs) they're all there i just need the actual time to sit down and rebalance them all fair enough it's so many hours megan it's so many i know now that i've like been learning audio editing yes Mm-hmm. We we might be doing one at my workplace, and then someone had the idea to do it over Zoom because on Zoom, in theory, you can get separate voice tracks. Okay. So I decided to try it, and I kind of want to nix it unless I'm the one like handling the recording because you don't have access to the multiple tracks mm-hmm. if you aren't the person who recorded it. Yeah, I didn't realize it did multiple tracks at all. So it will. It's not too bad actually, but I still wanted to like rip my hair out in part because somebody was jackhammering near my house because it was during the day which is fine you're allowed to do that but i because it was all one track i can't isolate myself Mm -hmm. and the jackhammer without screwing everything else up oh audio editing it's fun it is fun i just wanted to point that out because we're going to tell people hey we're from mash minute and it's a great podcast i'm really proud of it but those first few weeks like i just want to warn people and we have great guests we've got hell brian talking about helicopters it's amazing we like Uh, broke tom taylor at one point because he came on to talk about robert altman and we talked about baseball and he was just like i'm sorry what is happening here what's happening i'm sorry i thought this was a robert altman film like it is but we're talking about baseball today (laughs) yeah so it's it's really fun. I really I I, su- I swear. Hey, hey, do you remember when Jonathan Howell came on and like your internet just kept quitting? I've blocked out exactly when that happened. <laughs> and, but and I yes, think, I think and I think I think we used like three different ways to record that night. Yeah, like literally we got it done. But there's yes. one section where you literally are phoning it in yep. because you are phoning on the phone. It in. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Good time. But it was kind of funny, though, at the end. It actually. was. And, and uh, folks, that episode will still sound like crap, even after I remaster these. Let's just be clear. Uh, be there clear, is only but, so much I can do. <laughs> but, uh... Yes. Uh, as we direct people to MASHMinute.com, I want them to know that at some point in the future, we will be re-releasing the whole podcast in a remastered version. So... And it will, it will be That fine. will be fun. Because hopefully we'll get a bunch of new listeners and we'll revive the post-ep listeners ward which is our facebook group where we hang out and talk about mash and you know me i'm always up for that if you're looking to talk about this movie however if you have thoughts on who the gabrielle union of best years of our lives is (laughs) this show is on social media on Facebook at Butch's Place, the best years of our lives, Listener's Cafe. And it's on Twitter at The Best Minutes, all one word. And you can find all the episodes on... Where'd you find this one? No, I'm just <laughs> it's called <laughs> The it Best again. Minute Podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or the main site, thebestminutes.com. That's got 
everything. Because they are the best minutes. Oh, I love it. We've got some more best minutes next time here on the Best Minutes Podcast. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor. 